Okay, hello and welcome back to Help, I Don't Know What I'm Doing. Is anybody out there? <laughs> <laughs> Has just been a small, tiny little seven-month hiatus since our last episode. And we're expecting in another two months the birth of the... Bu- no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I would just always think that whenever... I always measure things in how long it would take to make a baby. Weird. Yeah. So we're almost there, basically. Yeah, basically we almost have, like, a full baby. Cool. Um. Yeah, so we've just been... We well, we've what's happened? Busy. busy. We've been busy. Yes, uh, I've been doing a master's in journalism, which is really, really intense and really, really stressful, but also very, very fun, but also very, very time consuming. So I don't really have much time in the way of doing like podcasty stuff, which is a shame. But hopefully, I want to change that this year and do this more often. Yeah, um, we're now both living in the same city, so you'd yeah. think, and only like five minutes away from, not even five minutes, less like. Two, 2.5. 2.5 minutes. Generous here, very yeah. that fast. Um, so there's no real reason for it other than we've just been super busy and just exhausted as well. Real yep. tired. Yep. So that's a really boring reason why we haven't made a podcast in a really long time. But we're here again. Um, and we're going to talk about um, growing up religious. Growing religious. And the thing is, we can't obviously speak to other religions that we did not grow up in. So this is going to be quite a Catholic-centric episode. Yeah. Well, my Catholics that were! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's exciting. Uh, so yeah, obviously, just a quick reminder how this podcast works. We usually do it so it's like the, pro, the good, the bad, the ugly of um, the topic we're talking about. So that's what we're going to do with this one. Um... So we'll kick off with the the pros of growing up in a very Catholic household. Maybe we should set the scene a little bit first about what our life is. Okay, do you want to do that? Yes. So, um, we grew up in a Catholic family, um, Catholic on both sides of our family, mum and dad, and have religious grandparents and religious cousins and uncles, um, and our mum and dad were also religious and Catholic. And a big part of our life was the fact that they were Catholic. For example, we've got five sisters. <laughs> Guess how that happened, lads. Um, so, and we would go to church every Sunday. We went to Catholic primary school. Um, and I went to a Catholic secondary school for a hot minute. So our lives have been very culturally and spiritually Catholic as well, um, in the sense that we celebrate Christmas as a religious festival. We celebrate Easter as well. We get Easter presents at Easter, um, which I love. (laughs) Because it is, you know, one of the most, if not the most important religious festival in Christianity. Um, And we also have the spiritual side of things as well. When we were growing up, um, things like we took... um, you know, going to church kind of quite seriously. When our bedtime routine, including saying prayers before we went to bed, mm-hmm. and we also had, um, we also made our first holy communion and our confirmation, which were big deals within like our lives. And we all got like special parties and days for those things. Um, and again, when our older sister got married, she got married in the Catholic Church, and that was again a big part of kind of our life kind of markers kind of thing Mm -hmm. so we're culturally or we grew up culturally and spiritually and then two paths appeared in the wood and we went down different ones I guess (laughs) (laughs) so what what would you say um your faith your state of faith is these days Vez um I would probably say more agnostic um I don't oh god agnostic (laughs) (laughs) of course you are (laughs) um so yeah I'm not I'm not against organized religion at all I think it's really good and for thing for a lot of people I wouldn't say I'm Catholic at all though now mm-hmm. um it just I think the main thing for me it just doesn't spiritually fulfill me in any way and that's not something you can really force mm-hmm. I don't think it's necessarily a crazy idea that God does exist but I am more of the belief that he doesn't um but then again I don't have any issue with people that do believe in that obviously because mm-hmm. I've grown up with it and I understand why people connect to it um but I'd probably say a lot of my issue comes with sort of the dogma that comes with the Catholic Church that I don't really align with or agree with. Um, But then again, I want to say, just because you're part of the Catholic Church doesn't mean that you agree with every single thing they do. Mm. Um, But yeah, that's just a big thing for me. That's not not part of my life. I don't feel spiritually fulfilled by it. 
Uh, prayer has never really done much for me. It just is not the right fit, really. Mm-hmm. But you, so you kind of think there probably isn't a God, mm-hmm. but you are open to the idea that there is one. Um, yeah, I would say that's accurate. Um, yeah, and certain ideas of sin within the Catholic Church, I don't agree with either. Mm. Um, but yeah, that, I would say that's where I'm at. Whereas you are still so a big I'm still, part of your life. Uh, it's a big part of my life. I go to church every Sunday. I'm on the parish council. Um, my dream would be to teach in a primary Catholic school. I would really like that because I had a really... my The faith side of um, my primary school was really good and I think it really benefited me. Um, I also have problems with the dogma, um, specifically uh, stuff to do with sexuality because uh, I'm a bit gay. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's kind of difficult for me sometimes. Um, but I also think that part of the reason why I've been able to kind of stay, it's almost a bit like a hostage situation, which I'll get into later, but it's also to do with um, having sisters and doing my own kind of theological research about where it came from, like why this has now come. And our mum has always said this one thing, which is saying that, you know, like God is the faith and the church is man. Like there are always going to be problems with the church because it's made by men. And, you know, we we can be specifically gendered by that if you want. Mm -hmm. And that means that, you know, things are going to be interpreted, um, you know, difficultly. And so that's been kind of a way that I've kind of tried to come across it. But a quick kind of, and we'll get more into this as we go through it, but a quick kind of overview is totally believe in God, um, have a fairly okay prayer life, Um, going to church is part of like a spiritual routine and like kind of a cultural routine for me as well. And like, ideally, if I ever did get married, I would really, really want it to be married in a Catholic church. Like, and I would want to raise my kids Catholic as well if I had any kids. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose that brings us on to the good things about growing up in Catholic <coughs> household. So you mentioned just there that you, you like the idea of raising your children in a Catholic mm-hmm. environment. I actually um, quite liked growing up in a religious household. I quite liked the sort of some of the rituals behind it like yeah. I find it kind of funny whenever we had people over for dinner that we'd always have to say like grace before we ate and we all say it in unison and it's really creepy <laughs> do you think it's creepy? I think if, from an outsider's point of view yeah this is very <laughs> weird usually because in the movies it's just one person says it and then they all sort of either hold hands or pray into themselves I think it'd be weird but if we made us each other people strangers hold our hands yeah but no that's me but like I think it's the fact that we all say it in unison and not one person just leads it do you know oh, what I mean right, okay. which is like from an outsider's point of view I think that's a bit that's a lot which I find really funny and I quite like <laughs> Um, I think I never really thought of, because to me, like, you say grace, and this is how, and the way that we say grace is everybody says it together, mm-hmm. but I guess if you're only, if you've never been part of a, a family that does that, and your only thing is the media, we do probably look a bit weird, don't yeah, we? Yeah, hmm. very weird. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think I, oh, looking back, I've, I think I enjoyed growing up religious. Um, there's more, there was more good to that than bad things, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's quite brief on that, but I don't know. I, I try to think. I don't know. I think it's just like, I think I didn't think I liked it at the time, but now I looking back, I did like it. Like I yeah. watched Lady Bird recently, and that she goes to like a Christian school, mm. and there's just like funny in jokes that you understand from watching that film, like when mm. they eat like the body of Christ, Christ, and it's but they're like, and the girl comes in and she's like, you can't eat that. Like that's the body of Christ. Like blah blah blah, and they're like, it's not consecrated. We can eat it. <laughs> Okay, so funny Catholic story. Um, when I was in primary school, I was an altar server, and you would altar serve like at school masses. And it was me and a girl who I won't call out, but she um, she was like the head altar server, and I was a little buddy, and she was training me up. And they used to keep like the okay. So quick Catholic explanation. So in Catholicism, there's a thing called transubstantiation, which is where the bread and wine that is. Um, symbolically broken and shared in some churches is literally transfigured into the body and blood of Christ. And when it is the precious blood and the body of Christ, you have to treat it with reverence and you can't just be, you know, messing around with it. But when it's in its kind of bread and wine form, it's just bread and wine. And she would be like, oh, and one of the cool things about being old server is you can eat these hosts. <laughs> so she'd be like, you have one. And so we'd both like commit the sin to get, well, not, it wasn't a sin, but to do the bad thing together so we wouldn't dob each other in. But I mean, they tasted disgusting. I don't know why we did that. They taste like, you know, those space shape, those spa- space... Space Invaders, no, no flavour, no... I don't oh, think no. it's called Space Invaders, it's like spaceship. They're like... The flying saucers. Flying saucers with sherbet inside. They taste like that, but sans sherbet. It's rice paper is what it tastes like. So, yeah, it's it really, disgusting. It's really good. I like it. I like the taste of it. Uh, 
have you seen there's a like a meme going around on various internet websites and it's like um you know gordon ramsay's given the body of christ and he's like bland flavorless tasteless. <laughs> so true um actually there's a funny story i don't know do you think it's okay to talk about um tess's wine oh my gosh yes this is something that would only ever happen in a catholic school yeah this is weird okay so um so you may have seen in like if you've not been to church before a catholic's like mass before there's someone who like gives the wine to parishioners who come up to take communion and at the end if there's any wine left or probably shouldn't say wine any precious blood Blood left in the cup then you have to basically down it (laughs) because you can't leave any in the cup because it's a really sacred and holy like substance yeah so our little sister she is one of like the people who gives the wine eucharistic minister is the official term yeah she's a eucharistic minister at her school which i didn't realize was a thing um and then the priest was just like okay at the end he was just like so just like finish off the Mm -hmm. cup of wine or whatever and the it's like really strong like fortified wine it is strong stuff and most of the kids didn't take wine because it doesn't taste fantastic mm. and it's just you know not really done so she's got like half a chalice which is like put your hands together to form a little bowl and then imagine two of those right mm. like it's it's a me and verity are doing it together right now so don't have four <laughs> hands it's a fair amount of alcohol so she yeah. you know chugs it back and then goes into like math not it wasn't math i think it was like core or something and she goes in like totally like off her face like she's (laughs) properly actually drunk and you're like actually wasted and she was just like the teacher she was like whoa she came into class and then she was like tess are you like are you drunk and she was like no why are you there why are you damn drunk like what do you mean and she was like slurring her words and was clearly just like wasted because she's tiny and like like you know just doesn't take much to get her drunk and then she was just like are you sure you're not drunk and she was just like what have you had to drink she's just like only the precious blood of christ (laughs) (laughs) and she was just like right okay (laughs) and it's like they can't really say much it's their own fault (laughs) i know i know oh so so funny um so yeah like I think there are like you say there are good things like I have a lot of kind of happy memories from various kind of school things one of my favorite things um was during May it's the month of Mary and where when Felicity and I were in primary school and you would have been probably two that's our older sister as our older sister shout out to the to Dr. Lachlan Mm -hmm. she um she's a PhD not a medical doctor just FYI um we used to go and collect wildflowers and put them on the Mary altar um during the month of May and one of like my favorite memories is when we went to go collect these wildflowers. It was the most idyllic scene. Like a, f- a deer and a baby fawn like crossed the road together, and I like looked into the fawn's eyes, and it like scampered off, and it was just the most like whoa ethereal magical thing. Mm-hmm. And now whenever it's May, whenever I see wildflowers, I always think of like the Mary altar and collecting these flowers, and mm-hmm. it was just yeah, things like that are just so kind of sweet. And then I also like the sense of community and belonging and just I think that sometimes a church can be quite difficult to kind of like enter into if you're like in a new place or whatever but I do like the idea of all of us kind of having a common sense of that can we all know where we stand a wee bit it's like when you join any kind of club mm-hmm. you're like this is we kind of get what's going on here and I also love the music I love <laughs> I love singing singing for me is such a great stress reliever and going every Sunday and like singing for an hour is great I love it so good and um, some of the music's terrible mm-hmm. but that also reminds me of another um kind of funny memory of do you remember that hymn yeah and exactly <laughs> the one you mean exactly the one you mean there is a hymn which is called christ be beside me and every single time it goes on uh like verity will collapse into fits of giggles yeah. and then she'll like side eye me to like look and i'm like i'm not looking at you i'm not looking at you because i will also like burst into giggles because it's like a, so much innuendo in one hymn it's like <laughs> what are the lyrics christ be beside me christ be behind me christ be like within me within me christ, christ be on my right, right hand. hand christ on my left hand christ be in all tongues <laughs> speaking about me or something like that and I'm just like okay wink wink nudge nudge and it just like makes me laugh every time um used to get there's also like these two ladies at church which are just like a pot of like awful gossip so just like the whole way through church you just hear their chat just like commentating mm. the mass like bitching about everyone there and we used to like 
I get a lot of shit from them yeah. because we just like laughed a lot in church and they'd be like, oh my god, that's just your, that's I don't think we laughed terrible. a lot, but it's the situation where you know you're not allowed to laugh and then, <laughs> oh, it's awful, awful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then like on the more sort of spiritual side of things, I do like the idea of the, uh, like the, the kind of heart of Catholic church or Catholicism is like forgiveness and mm-hmm. being able to forgive yourself and forgive other people. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good thing to just have in life, being able to let go of things, um, whether it's things that have been done to you or things that you have done. I think that's a really amazing kind of really useful thing to kind of take on into the world Mm -hmm. and I often feel bad about stuff that I've done and part of like Catholic or Catholicism is to like you will go to confession and people think oh so you go to confession and then that's it you're forgiven so like if you committed a murder and you confessed it then it wouldn't you wouldn't like it wouldn't be a bad thing like guys you've watched too many movies Mm -hmm. actually you've got to make an act of contrition which means that you actually like genuinely sorry for it and you have to make amends in some way and I think that's a really good way like you don't necessarily have to go out for the full thing but just to be like okay, I feel bad about this, I need to do something to fix it, and not just being like, oh, I'll just blow it off, or yeah. I won't think about it, or whatever. And again, this is not to say that if you are not religious, then you then you wouldn't do this anyway, but I think it's a really good way to, like, every week, you kind of, like, go and you're like, okay, how did I mess up this week? And being able to kind of, like, sort through it and think about it and, like, you know, try again the next week. I think it's nice. Like, I feel every Sunday I get, like, a clean slate, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, here we go. And I also really like this kind of spiritual calendar of Christmas uh, or Advent, Christmas, and then Lent and Easter. So Lent is a time where you're preparing for Easter, which is when Jesus has risen from the dead. And during Lent, it's 40 days and you're supposed to have a period of fast and abstinence. So you like give up things and, you know, it could be food, it could be wine, it could be like your daily coffee that you get somewhere and you save up the money and give it to charity. And I find that I really like cleansing thing just to kind of strip yourself back a bit and like just kind of remove yourself from like the materialistic things of the world because I do feel that our society is so materialistic and image conscious and it's just all the time you're being sold something whether it's you know an ideal body shape or a car or it just everything is just so much garbage out there Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so I really like the kind of simplicity of Lent of being able to like pare it all back and then I also feel like it's really helped me in terms of like bereavement and grief because when our dad died he died around the time that Easter usually falls under and for me having that kind of Lent period is almost like a time where I can kind of go through my grief and you know feel the kind of things that I'm feeling but then you always have Easter which is the promise of life after death Mm -hmm. and it just I just feel really connected to because my dad was obviously a very religious person and I feel really connected to that faith and then to him and to that kind of promise of new life and so for me that is probably one of the reasons why I will never leave the Catholic Church Mm -hmm. probably asterisk yeah (laughs) yeah because I think like you said I like that that forgiveness is a big part of Catholicism and I think it's also given me a good guide of how to be a good person person or have a sort yeah. of a moral base in some kind of way mm. just like learning to like be kind to others treat people how you would want to be treated like that kind of thing I think has been helpful and being like generous and stuff like that I mm. think I got a lot of that from growing up in a religious household but that's not to say that you can't get those things from no not of growing course up, not but like, I think it it helps you yeah. yeah I think one of the other like things I remember is um there was one time my sister, Felicity, my sister, you might know for a very <laughs> uh, she was like a Christmas, it was like one of the last Christmases with dad, I think it was the last Christmas with dad, and Felicity was, like he wanted her to play the piano for like the family, and she didn't want to because she was like feeling really shy and stuff, and dad said that, you know, and it's like quoting from religious things, like, you know, God's given you talents and you shouldn't hide them, you should always use your talents because they're a God-given gift, and that to me has always stuck with me, and it's made me do things that at the time I didn't necessarily want to do, but Mm -hmm. were, like, the right thing to do, Mm -hmm. like, just having that kind of reinforced, like, you know, I do believe that God gives you talents, there are things that you can do and you should use them, and I think that it's good to kind of remind yourself not to be so selfish with your stuff like Mm -hmm. I think it would be really easy for me just as my personality to just be like oh can't be bothered like I have a real big can't be bothered personality (laughs) (laughs) a real CBA lifestyle Mm -hmm. and just to know that it's like you want to be reassured you have something to offer and it's you know special and it's you like just yourself you have something to offer I think is important but also to be like you know we are put on this earth not for ourselves but for other people I truly believe that I really do think that we're put on earth to make lives 
better for other people and you can do that in so many different ways and I just think that that having like that sort of you know you have talents use them is such a good mantra to have for life as well mm-hmm. and that's one of those things that I kind of really kind of think about the other thing I love is the aesthetic catholic church is so like dramatic yeah. the, that drama. Is the drama the catholic drama so good I love that like we were in church the other day and it was um about baptism because it's Jesus's baptism. baptism yeah and um we have to like it's sort of like you redo your baptism you redo something. your baptismal vows because mm-hmm. in when you were baptized generally you're a baby uh-huh. and so your parents make and your godparents or i think no, it's your parents make the promises um on your behalf mm-hmm. and so it's like do you reject satan and do you which is the answer is yes by the way um and various things and it's like you renew that promise as an adult with you know full cognitive like impact yeah and then one of the lines is just like uh, do you reject Satan, the author and prince of sin? And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Baby. <laughs> I was like, I want to be the author and prince of sin. Why do you make the devil sound so sexy? I know, I was like, that is so cool. I was like, okay, this is the reason why I'm not going. <laughs> but I do like how the, the drama of it, I like the, the you know, how the priest wears different vestments depending on the time of year in terms of, like, the liturgical calendar, the candles, the incense, the symbolism, and, you know, all of that stuff I think is just so gorgeous and really, and it does really help me connect to stuff. Of course there is, you know, the argument that, well, it's all these, like, bells and whistles and that's just distracting you from stuff, but for me I really think it helps, like, going to church and it being this beautiful building and having, like, gorgeous stained glass windows and, you know, just beautiful beautiful surroundings that does put me in that kind of frame of mind and you know I think some of the most beautiful architecture regardless of what your religion is is in religious buildings you know Mm. mosques for example are absolutely stunning you know the tiles and things like that and to me I think like again it goes back to that you have talents and you should use them you know the most creative and gorgeous things are out there and they're you know not to sound like a crazy person but you know for the glory of god kind of thing Mm -hmm. that does sound a bit weird um yeah so should we move on to the do you have anything else good that you want to mention um this is kind of a segue into Mm -hmm. the bad stuff so i'll just i'll chuck that in there so i loved hearing like stories of saints and things when i was younger Mm, that's because i think they're, they're really interesting they're such interesting stories and i was always really taken with the female saints so like love the virgin mary i think she's amazing like regardless of whether or not you believe like what a brave woman to even come up with the lie if it was would yeah. be like hey i'm pregnant um it was a, it was god no brave. but if you do believe you also think just so brave and so you know it's such a terrifying position to be put in and not just the fact that she had this child which was not her husband's but then the fact that you know they had to leave and were refugees in egypt for years and you know knowing that her son was born to die and you know for me the most kind of moving parts about easter is you know mary at the bottom of the of the cross when jesus being crucified and you know we all if you are religious have a relationship with god and jesus and stuff but the relations that she had of you know the, you know this son and this mother you know the real human emotions of it are just so affecting but then i was also really into um joan of arc who i just thought was just so badass mm-hmm. just so you know amazing there's a quote whether it's apocryphal or not which is you know i'm not afraid i was born for this this again this destiny this i'm a just this total conviction in her beliefs and just again so brave and then the other story that i was really taken with <laughs> was um a saint called Lucy who plucked out her own eyes because she wanted to live a religious life but her dad wanted her to marry and so she decided to like ruin her beauty by like plucking out her eyes and I was like that's badass (laughs) and this is when I'm like eight or something and I'm like holy whoa now whoa now um and so these like amazing women these amazing strong women you know and this kind of like religious things just kind of segues into kind of the bad stuff which Mm -hmm. is that particularly in the catholic church there is a huge patriarchal kind of mainframe Mm -hmm. which controls the church and the biggest thing is that women can't be priests which is a complete joke because there's a major lack of vocations to the priesthood and it's such an easy solution (laughs) and they're just so stubborn about the fact that women can't be priests and there's no theological reason why women can't be priests other than tradition there's Mm -hmm. no reason why women can't be priests and it annoys me because if you 
live by the Catholic values of no contraception and you are someone with a general fertility, you are going to be consistently pregnant, which means it's going to be very hard for you to hold down a job, mm. which means that you kind of are going to end up staying at home, whether that is something that you would enjoy or not. And it is a real control thing, which really upsets me because women provide so much for the church. If you want to know who volunteers to clean the church, who does the teas and coffees, who organizes, you know, um, taking um, things to the sick people in the church community, it's women. Mm -hmm. If women can clean the altar, they should be allowed to go up on the altar. (laughs) And if you think about who the first people that impart faith, it is parents. And again, as I said, if you follow like the traditional Catholic framework, most likely it's gonna be a woman that's at home. So the first person that is teaching faith is a woman and according to one of the gospels i can't i'll tell you which one it is in a sec when i look it up but the first person to spread the good news to teach about jesus christ and the fact that he you know rose from the dead and is god's son was mary magdalene so that also doesn't the idea then that women can't do it is bonkers Mm -hmm. and as felicity our doctor phd felicity um would tell you as well in greater detail than i would be able to is that in the early church there were women who were preachers Mm -hmm. and if you look at um paul's letters to the corinthians and various other people he will say oh women shouldn't be standing up in the church they shouldn't be doing it which some people would say well that's an indication that they were a blinking doing it and that's why he came up with something um you know to a gospel of John, by the way, about Mary Magdalene. Um, <laughs> yeah, Mary Magdalene uh, is technically the first apostle because she sent to the other apostles to go say these things. Um, but that really frustrates me. And it's mm-hmm. just so... And it's going to cause, in my opinion, the death of the church because it, it's just not sustainable. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, just a general misogyny within the church is another reason why I really mm-hmm. don't connect with it. I think it's just appalling. And just coming from a like a family I remember one, one of our um, uncles is a priest and I can't remember what came up but they were he was just saying well yeah it's not that hard being a woman anymore <laughs> like it seems like it's pretty good and then my mom was like are you joking <laughs> like mm. you're literally the only man in a room full of like six girls and me and you have no frame of reference to that whatsoever yeah and it's like if a w- women were to be priests they would just have a better I feel like way of like understanding and relating to people in a way mm. that a lot of male older priests just don't mm. do you know what I mean like it's just like a a female experience is different from any kind of male experience and I think it's so often that women are just relegated to children like I uh, used to teach um children's HG which is Sunday school and we had and everyone who did that which was you know took quite a lot of time etc out of your week were women women volunteered to do it and it's like okay so you were saying that women are capable of imparting and teaching about Jesus but only to five-year-olds mm-hmm. and it's just so dismissive and so disheartening and just so oh you know and the thing is it's not all priests that feel this way it's not all catholics that feel this way um but the problem is that when you have such a huge structure and a structure dominated by old white men everything takes so long to trickle down Mm -hmm. and the only thing that kind of gives me a bit of comfort is that when my grandma was my age then the whole church mass was still in latin Mm -hmm. you know so things do change and things are changing but it's such a glacial pace and it's just causing so much hurt while it's still happening yeah um yeah, I think another thing that bothered me that I didn't like about growing up religious is having to sit through very um, hateful sermons at times. Not, uninten- mm. and not unintentionally hateful, but like ignorant sermons. Like I remember when gay marriage was coming through oh, in the UK or yeah. in Scotland and our priest was sort of appealing to the parishioners to try and like... There was a petition at the back of the church which mm-hmm. we could sign. Yeah, to like fight against this bill to go through or whatever. I think me and you actually walked out of the sermon because it was just so Yeah, disgusting. I cried and I was so sad and so I walked out and then mm-hmm. you came out and mm-hmm. then I think Felicity came out as well. Yeah, and it's just like I think that sort of... some pe- I feel like a lot of people within the church don't actively hate gay people at all. No. I don't think that's the case, but they just don't see it as a legitimate marriage, as a... Mm. like two people of the same gender that's just not what marriage is and they're just like well they're like I think I've heard some people oh I just don't have a problem with it but it's just not a marriage and it's just like that sort of apathy and sort of hurt that you're doing 
by aligning yeah. with that is just, I think, really appalling. And, and I think the, I remember the sermon was the idea, he said that it was, um, and this is a priest that was our parish priest growing up, and I have a lot of respect for him, and he did do many other good sermons, but this mm-hmm. was just so devastating to hear as a young person who is queer and who was struggling with that at the time and it was that um you know if you put two single buses together it wouldn't be a double decker bus and i remember thinking this is a terrible analogy anyway <laughs> i mean you're losing me here but also just how dehumanizing it was mm-hmm. and just how you know you know we're all in agreement here and that's where that kind of sense of community backfires because as somebody who is queer who's attracted not just to men when something like that happens, you realize that you're on the outside of that community. Mm -hmm. And I found it really difficult when I was still kind of like in the closet. And I, to be fair, kind of am still, I'm Mm -hmm. not like always out, but the, just having to like hide that part of yourself. And I really did feel like I was living two different lives. I was living like my queer life and then I was living my religious life. And you, to split yourself down the middle, especially something with faith, which is so integral to me, Mm -hmm. caused me a huge amount of pain and, you know, mental health problems Mm -hmm. and really, really hurts. And it still is something that I struggle with today because it's not something I want to kind of share with other people, Mm -hmm. you know. if it's in like the church kind of structure yeah I think that was probably a turning point for me after that sermon I was like nah I'm outie <laughs> that's me out like you just lost me yeah I think I think another problem for me growing up religious is it was very much it was forced on me I think like it mm. was I didn't have a choice about whether I could go to church or not like it was like no like you just go to church every Sunday every Sunday morning you go like mm. it was it wasn't a case of like you have a choice in that and like if you force spirituality on someone it makes them hate, resent it and hate it more mm. so I was a bit of a little shit when I was a kid <laughs> when I was in church I'd be probably quite disrespectful and like angry just really angry because I didn't want to be there mm. and it's I, I just felt a lot of disconnection to it it's like I also found it very incredibly boring um, <laughs> and that frustrates me as well because it's like when you can't connect to something, it didn't excite me, it didn't mm. feel, fulfill me spiritually, it's like there's just nothing there for me and I was angry that it was being forced on me and I was having to go to church to appease other people when it's something that I can't connect with and I don't want to connect with and yeah. it wasn't aligning with my politics that was I was forming at the time and it that <laughs> even made me even more angry. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think eventually I just like sucked sucked up and was just like I think it was Felicity who was just like well you should just like go for grandma like it's just a small it's, she was like it's a small thing to do for someone yeah. else it's not it's an hour out of your life like yeah. per week it's not a big deal and then when she said that I was like yeah you're right it's a literal <laughs> hour suck it up you know it's not that big a deal mm-hmm. but yeah I didn't like being having that forced upon me because I feel like it was Uh, The only thing I will say to that is I agree in the sense that you shouldn't force religion on someone. But I also think that if you want to give somebody a chance at a religious life, you kind of have to force them a wee bit. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and I don't Like, if you're raising kids, then, and you know, no five-year-old wants to go spend an hour sitting down, like, doing, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that it's... I think you were putting it's a difficult position to be put in and to be fair I think I would be like until you leave home Mm -hmm. you're gonna do this because it's part of our family life kind of thing um and I know it's not something that was like malicious it's just coming from a place of love and my mum wanting me to have that in my life because it's such a lovely and important thing for her and has helped her in a lot of ways so she just wants that this the same thing for me and doesn't want me to live in like a godless world type thing yeah which um, in which in the sense of a god this world doesn't mean that you're going to live a life of sin and debauchery mm-hmm. but the sense that if god is like this comforting space then you want to have that kind of unconditional love in your life regardless mm-hmm. of where or who you are yeah but yeah i just don't feel that and i think another bad thing is that it does cause i it's only a recent thing that i felt but it, it definitely causes some kind of disconnect or some kind of small rifts within my family that I didn't think was there until this year like it is like everyone else and all my other sisters go to church and there'll be certain comments made about the fact that I'm not Catholic or that I don't go to church and how it's sort of half joking but also half disappointing that I don't do that or like if I were to get married then it wouldn't be a Catholic wedding and that's a big deal in a certain way it's not it's not a huge deal but it is an issue um 
and it sort of makes you feel a bit ostracized not ostracized and I don't really know how the language to put to it but it is definitely something that is a bit of a yeah a rift within our family that I am not religious anymore um but then it's also interesting because like whenever I have like my boyfriend visits and I, I he's not religious at all I didn't grow up religious but I would always expect him to come to church with me anyway yeah like even if he was there every Sunday it's just like something you do like mm. You know, it would. I would feel bad if he didn't come to church because it's like a family thing. I don't know, but like I'm not articulating it very well. But it has caused Mm. a wee bit of a rift in the way that I live my life. Yeah, and the thing is, for me, I think right now where I'm at is I can't because it's so like part of my life and so ingrained in my culture and things like that. You know, to me, it'd be unfathomable to not be to leave the church. And I can't make myself straight. Mm-hmm. So these two things I can't change about myself, in my opinion. In it's the same amount of just intrinsic to my ability, but there, depending on like how my life pans out and what my romantic partner is going to be, there's going to be a point where it's just going to be untenable, mm-hmm. and that's really scary to me because the idea that I wouldn't be able to marry in a Catholic church is. Like, it breaks my heart. Like, it really, really does. <laughs> because, to me, it's such a huge part of my life and my faith. And I'm not saying that, you know, the marriage isn't valid if it isn't a Catholic marriage. But the fact that it's what I've grown up with, mm-hmm. it spiritually has such an important meaning to me. And then just to be because, like, oh, well, you're marrying a woman, then, nah, mm-hmm. you can't. And then, okay, if we had children and we adopted or whatever, could we send them to a Catholic school? Would we be able to take them to church? Mm-hmm and it just it that kind of thing just really makes me anxious and like you know once upon a time when I was like well I'll just ignore this you know just you know just pretend that I'm straight Uh, you know it really put me off like opening myself up to like different people to date and things like that Mm. and I kind of go through phases where I'm like oh do you know what (laughs) just chuck me on like (laughs) catholicdating.com and you know whatever but I just I can't reconcile my whole self Mm. at any point and it really it like causes me so much pain and I'm still kind of stuck in this kind of situation and I said earlier it's almost like a hostage situation like I can't leave the church but I also am not 100% comfortable there and I know that it's causing me pain Mm -hmm. and I know that it's something that's always going to cause me pain Mm -hmm. and depending on how my life pans out it could cause me so much more pain Mm -hmm. and so just to know that this thing which is meant to be so comforting which is meant to be such a loving environment is so tainted in this way Mm -hmm. and let's just like quickly clarify the uh, catholic church's position on like homosexuality etc so if so the church says uh, a generalized statement which is you know hate the sin not the sinner right so you can be a gay person who is celibate and who does not have a romantic uh, partner and that's fine because the sin is actually the sex and the reason why the sex is a sin is because sex is a sin unless it is part of a marriage Mm -hmm. and the reason why gay people can't get married is because sex should be or not necessarily should be, but you should be open to children. Mm -hmm. So if you do not have compatible biology to have children, then that sex out with marriage is a sin. Here's my problem. (laughs) What about infertile couples? What about Mm -hmm. couples who've had a hysterectomy? There is no chance of them getting, you know, a pregnancy. So, you know, it's garbage. It's total garbage. And I mean, the idea that, you know, infertile couples are then being sinful because they're having sex with no chance of being able to procreate Mm -hmm. the fact that bloody heterosexual couples can get married and then they you know aren't supposed to but they do use contraception Mm -hmm. you know and they still allow to get married like it just really upsets me Mm -hmm. you know but i again like i'm in this hostage situation i don't really know how to escape it yeah yeah there's a lot of stupid stuff with the church that frustrates me like when it was um like abortion rights and stuff like that that's something that was also a big thing for me because I think honestly if I felt pregnant right now I would have an abortion without like no question Mm. um and it annoys me that a lot of people in the church are trying to take those rights away or make it harder for me to access that kind of right when I think it is nothing to do with the church it's everything to do with people who have vaginas and can Mm. want to take that pregnancy to term and it's like it annoys me that they're trying to like 
in, take that away from me or like endanger me from like having to take to term like a pregnancy that I don't want and can't have mm. like like in a stable and safe healthy way like if I had a kid right now I would would know what to do with it <laughs> and there's like I'm putting it into care is an even more traumatic thing for the actual human you know mm. what I mean it's just like a lot of that sort of angers me and makes it hard for me to connect with the church yeah. as well I mean for me I don't think I would choose an abortion um because I do believe that life starts at conception and so I would find it difficult mm-hmm. but I also don't feel I have the authority to prevent another woman Mm -hmm. from doing it so I'm kind of again in this kind of like Mm -hmm. but to me it's again down to sex and it's again (laughs) the fact that the catholic church is so freaked out by sex stresses me out Mm -hmm. because it's again like if they just allowed barrier methods of contraception which prevented fertilization which means that you're not then they wouldn't have such a crisis in the abortion um kind of like stakes because Mm -hmm. You know, we wouldn't we wouldn't have to worry about this. And same with like AIDS in Africa. You're like, guys, this is you know the fact that sex is sinful unless it's to procreate a child. Again, like if you want to look historically about where that's coming from, it's more to do with you know financial side of things mm-hmm. and like the ownership of women than it you know and being able to like you know make sure that if you have if a woman had offspring, a man was there to you know right you have to look after this woman kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not a spiritual basis. Like if you actually look at what Jesus, who is our Christian, you know Christianity is about, it doesn't say anything about gay people. Mm-hmm. Anything. If you look at, like, and all sex, like, you know, it's just not there. This is all stuff that's been made up before. You know, in the kind of, like, the thing which people always bring up about um, Sodom and Gomorrah is, you know, that it was a place of, you know, sodomy and, you know, just gay people doing their thing. And, you know, it was, you know, turned to dust and ash. But if you actually read the, like, biblical text, it's more to do with the fact that they... The reason why it all got like blown up to bits, and part of it was that angels came to visit a house, and part of Jewish hospitality is that you are supposed to open up your home to people, regardless of what it is. And you know these people did not follow that custom, and guess what? They were entertaining angels, and that was the sinful thing. All the other stuff that was going on there was more t- was also bad. But you also have to look about it in the Jewish context of the fact that the Jewish people are being um, sort of their culture is being um, infiltrated by the Romans and the Greeks and Greeks had the you know culture of um, kind of homosexuality and a kind of pederasty kind of situation mm-hmm. so again they the Jewish culture is going to be like oh what's happening here in, a, in like a historical context the reason they're going to be so against that is because it's again like this cultural infringement so you got to actually read the text think about the historical context and then maybe just maybe think about the fact that the most important like gospel bit out there the most important commandment is to love one another right human beings on the whole not fantastic we're capable of truly horrendous things and throughout history there have been horrible things that have happened the one redeeming feature about humanity the one thing that's our saving grace the only thing that makes us you know worth being around is our capacity to love and our capacity to do amazing things with that love and the fact that you say that like whatever the percentage of the population is i don't know the statistics of my head that their love is garbage that it's sinful is not only wrong but it's doing humanity such a huge disservice Mm -hmm. it's such a huge disservice because if you even look at things like the aids crisis and the way that people banded together and the amazing stories of people who just had so much love and cared for people you know there was a woman who would look after dying men whose families had rejected them and she buried all of them and just not related to them didn't have you know any connection to these people other than she had a heart full of love and just wanted to share it with people or the way that these men you know in in the AIDS crisis and women of course like banded together for better things the idea that that is just nothing because of your sexual orientation it just it's crap Mm -hmm. yeah so basically they just need to (sighs) catch up with the times otherwise the catholic church is just gonna break my heart apart from anything else (laughs) it's like yeah ay 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 we all got a bit heavy there (laughs) (laughs) shall we move on to some some of the ugly which is like generally like a more light-hearted lol segment um my thing, I guess mine's not that lighthearted, but yeah, it's pretty lighthearted, sorry, <laughs> oh, setting the tone down, um, it's like, sort of dealing with atheists, I find quite funny sometimes, because I'm just like, you guys are, like, 
really ridiculous. Do you mean like, like militant cringe. atheists? Like, yeah, that's what I mean. Like militant atheists like Ricky Gervais and like Richard Dawkins or whatever. This is like, I don't know. It just this looks like so intense. Like I saw this video of this, um, this interview with this guy, the lead singer of the 1975 and he's just like, I used to be like an atheist and now I'm like an atheist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just like less like, oh my god, this is, your guys are so stupid. How could you feel this way? Like, yeah. Like, I'm just like, oh my god, just like, relax, I'm like, please, just like, chill out, like, let people do what they want to do, like, no one's forcing you to, like, be part of this religion, do you know what I mean, it's like, I think it's funny when there's almost a religious fever or fever to uh, atheists, yeah, right. <laughs> they're like, you know, ugh, and just, yeah, I think there's kind of like a weird sort of, like, thing there. Your ugly is really weird. My ugly is super weird. Right, so let me first say that people listening to this are probably like, girl, Catholicism messed you up. Like, you are messed up. And I'm like, wait till you hear this one, lads. (laughs) So, in the Catholic faith, there is a lot... So, okay, remember how I said a couple of, like, hours ago at this point about saints and the lives of saints, right? So it's not just the biblical text. Within the Catholic Church, you have saints who are people who were super holy, inspired by God, and they reach, like, a sainthood. It's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And when we were a kid, we had loads of books about various saints. My favourite one when I was, like, really young was Francis of Assisi, who, look him up, what a great dude. Like, did the whole classic thing of, I'm super rich, but I'm going to give all that up and just live, you know, like a godly life. He also has one of my favourite sayings, which is always preach the gospel, if necessary, use words, which is basically like, just be a good person. And you don't have to be like, by the way, I'm Catholic. By the way, I'm Christian. You know, just be a good person. Anyway, Felicity (laughs) was in her first year of secondary school and she won a prize for like some sort of religious thing, presumably, because she got a book about the curate of ours, which is a place in France and I'm probably, you know, pronouncing incorrectly. And in this book, it talked about, you know, how holy this guy was, how humble, how amazing. And it also talked about the fact that, you know, they knew he was one of God's favorites because he was tormented by demons. Now, in the Catholic Church, demons are sometimes referred to as sort of metaphorical demons, but they're also kind of referred to as literal demons. You remember the film The Exorcist? The Catholic Church has like dedicated exorcists. The amount of confirmed demonic possessions is actually very small. And you have to be a highly trained priest to perform an exorcist. But we are still living in a world where demons are real, guys. (laughs) (laughs) And I am a paranoid Polly, an anxious Annie. And I read this book at 11 and I was like, whoa now, (laughs) what's happening here? The curate of ours is sleeping in his bed and suddenly, the devil comes and starts like taunting him and you know tearing the sheets off the bed and shaking the windows and for several nights he's tormented by the devil but he's so cool he just laughs it off. Meanwhile I'm like wait a second demons are real (laughs) and they come after the best people? Well I better not be a best person then. But because also the Catholic Church tells you that you know don't be too full of yourself you know just chill out. I was like well maybe me thinking that I'm a good person, so good that a devil would want to torment me, is also a sin. And then I thought, wait a second, what if, what if the sin is actually happening here, that I'm afraid of demonic possession, which means I'm not going to try to be the best person possible, which means I am going to be a bad person. Crazy. 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 The other thing I was afraid of was, have you heard of called stigmata? No. Alright, so stigmata, I actually don't believe there's ever been a genuine case of stigmata. Because basically it's that you're so holy that you get the wounds of the crucifixion. Okay. And typically it's in your hands, Mm -hmm. like nails through the palm of your hands and in your feet. However, crucifixions back in the day wouldn't have put it in your hand because your hand would just like rip through, would have been through your wrist. So if Mm. there were any legit stigmatas, surely it'd be on the wrist, guys. Also, it's crazy to think (laughs) that that would actually happen. (laughs) So I wasn't too, so that was my other thing of like, oh, well, I'm going to be too holy. I'll get the stigmata. Oh no, I don't want to be holy in this whole situation. Now, I kind of grew out of the stigmata fear Mm -hmm. fairly quickly, like a couple of months and I was like, nah, this is fine. 
and did my research, went on Wikipedia, and the, but the demonic thing, I still get really freaked out by the demonic <laughs> thing. I really do like get real freaked out about demons, even though I'm pretty sure they're fake. <laughs> I'm only pretty sure. I know, I know. And I, the, the fear I have is like so real that once I had a sleepover with um, a friend at uni, and she was an atheist, and I said in the middle, it's like literally in the middle of the night, both kind of like not really sleepy. I'll go, Bettina. I'm really frightened of demons. And she was like, what? And I was like telling her about all this demon chat and about how, you know, the signs of a demonic possession and stuff. And she got so freaked out. She came into the bed with me and we were both like holding my rosary. Cause I, and what I said to her was, what I said to her was like, I'm really afraid that like, I wouldn't know if a demon possessed you or something. And so in the end, I freaked her out so much that she was in bed with me. We're both holding this rosary being like, it's okay. You wouldn't be able to hold a rosary if you were a demon. Like. <laughs> I mean, one, we were kind of, like, sleep drunk, like, you know, you're so tired that you're not, but I'd also, like, convinced an atheist of the demons, that's how, that's how, that's how fever pitched mine is. That is wild. I did not know about that. Fucking weirdo. Jesus. Probably should say that on a, that's this podcast. Um, wow, cool, okay, um, that was enlightening, That was so, like, heavier than I was expecting it to be, actually. Mm. Yeah, no, that was interesting. Yeah. Um, Gosh darn. Oh, damn. Uh, I'm afraid I've come across too negative. You haven't. I think you've become across very balanced. Guys, I live for feedback. Tell me if I came across balanced. <laughs> Please validate me. Please validate me. Always and every day. Mm-hmm. Um, shall we do with the Shining Light segment or not? Yeah, obviously. Okay. <laughs> um, do you have one to hand? Yeah, Verity like messaged me today and was like, oh, come around, we'll do a podcast. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, have you eaten yet? Mm-hmm. And she was like, no. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let's order it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, update. I've become a vegan. <laughs> yeah, she's vegan now. <laughs> the last episode we did was about vegetarianism. I'm pretty sure I was like, I, I can never be vegan. It was about veganism. Yeah. Um, but then I moved in with my sister Olivia and I was like, as your birthday present, I'll be vegan for a month. And it was just really easy. So I just kept doing it. Yeah. Isn't that really easy? Like, ugh. I'll be honest, took a break for Christmas, you know, but other yeah. than that but anyway we got these vegan burgers and they were so, so good. good they were delicious so good they're really good and that has honestly been the highlight of my week Verity <laughs> I'm glad highlight of the last seven months <laughs> um let me think uh for this oh I tell a lie also please like me on Amazon it's really good anyway continue please like me on Amazon please like me no no don't please oh. like me no. it's a TV show it's on oh, Amazon right. Prime right please yeah. like me you told me about this I thought there was like a feature on Amazon where you didn't like someone um Okay, I think um, I think shining light of this week particularly was I guess um, having a break after mm. sort of like not having one since September. I just had been like really really burnt out and stressed and anxious and not being able to sleep for a while because uh, I've just had a lot of work to do and I've not been able to feel like I can relax and reflect on the past few months. But this week I my deadlines have sort of thinned out a bit. And I've been able to like think m- more clearly and relax a bit, which is really nice. And like getting to read m- more stuff, which I really like. I mean, really getting into like learning about like LGBT like history and watching films and reading books. And yeah, it's very nice. Um, um, so yes, that is my highlights of the week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, we- this is a very long podcast. Um, but oh, jings it is long, guys. Yeah. That's going to be fun to edit. Um, yes, so we I definitely want to start doing this more consistently again. Do you know what would really help that? If you could please send us ideas of what you want to hear and talk about. Yes. Um, guess, even if you, oh, oh my more. gosh, even if it was like a response to something, like if there's something that you said here that you were like, I wish I could have chimed in on that. We could do a kind of like answer it. Oh, we re- could get people to ask mail. us questions, Q&A. Uh, Q&A, Q&A, darling, Q&A. That would be fun. Uh, okay, we'll run this up. Uh, thank you for listening and coming back to the podcast after such a long hiatus. Yes, please listen to us. Please love us. Cool. Okay, bye. Bye.